0: You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. To the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by Legal Fuel, the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm a Senior Practice Management Advisor at the Bar and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our home offices in Tallahassee, Florida.
1: Hello, I'm Carla Eckhart. I'm a Practice Management Advisor at the Florida Bar and a co host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles.
0: So back in 2006, when the idea of a Florida-registered paralegal program was first being considered, my one of my old professors, Judge Ross Goodman, who was chair of the Special Committee to Study Paralegal Regulations, said and I quote, I think lawyers are going to realize the benefits of having this program is that they are going to have better trained paralegals. They're going to be able to identify the better paralegals in the hiring process. And the paralegals that they do have are going to get continuing education that is going to be a benefit to the lawyers and the law firms. And joining us to to discuss the program and why an FRP can be such a valuable member of a firm is Margot Valenti. Margot is the founder and CEO of Law Office Support Services, a virtual paralegal and legal support service for solo practitioners and small firms, and proud member benefits provider for the Florida Bar. During a career that spans 30 years, Margo has held numerous positions with well established law firms, from humble beginnings as a legal assistant trainee to attaining Florida Bar registered paralegal status at the program's inception to serving in the all-encompassing role of a law firm administrator. Margot's last post before starting her own company was as a senior member of an IPO team charged with taking companies public on the New York Stock Exchange. Margot holds a Bachelor of Science degree in business administration from the University of Florida, and she has had the honor of serving as the vice chair for the Florida Bar's newly formed FRP Enrichment Committee in 2019, as the chair of its communications subcommittee, and currently Margot serves as the chair of the FRP Enrichment Committee. Welcome to the show, Margot.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here, and I'm in the opportunity to talk about Florida Registered Paralegals.
0: So, Margot, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the path you've taken to become such a champion of the Florida Registered Paralegal Program?
2: I'm very proud of my career. I've had it over 30 years. And I started out, as you mentioned, a legal assistant trainee. Um, I, when I walked in the door for the first day, there was an IBM Selectric sitting there on my desk. And I thought I had hit the big time. I was so proud of the fact that I might actually correct it and I can get rid of the whiteout whenever I needed it, which was rare. But I'll throw that in there later. But the interesting part of it is, is that through my career and being in the legal industry, I started out in litigation. I went to land use. I've worked in... Uh, corporate and transaction. I worked in securities. I do probate work. I've had the opportunity to learn and I've been very encouraged by the attorneys that I work with in the administration as being a legal assistant trainee and then being a law firm administrator. I got to run all the tasks. I knew all the jobs. So that really did help me be a very good, I thought legal, you know, it was a very good law firm administrator because i could step into any of the jobs i could figure out what was going on you know it's not unusual that someone doesn't show up that day and you have to be able to fill in for them so i think that helps me in being able to sit here today and talk about a paralegal because then i reached that element i went from being a legal assistant trainee to being a paralegal and then going to being a law firm administrator I think the paralegal part of it is always near and dear to me, because that's the part where you're actually connecting with the client, you're helping people, you're actually out there, you know, connecting with them, and you can see that the services that you're giving them means something to them. So it means something to you. It's, it's the part of the, the, the job that you really feel that it is fulfilling. So that got me today, where I started with my own company, because as an administrator, I had a, a position open one time, and there was numerous applications and when i asked the attorneys why they were going to leave their solo practitioners their solo practice to come to us they said it was because they had they didn't have support they didn't have anybody to help them and it was because there wasn't resources out there so as the legal industry changed things became more electronic there's the virtual world there's e-filing everything got to the point where it actually was a viable situation to take it virtual and i think now that we've seen in the past six to eight months you know that's even leaping there's leaps and bounds that have happened in the last six to eight months to work at virtual as well but we've been doing this for like three and a half years so what it happens is that that virtual component our clients and who we work with are solo practitioners that are looking for either a paralegal or a legal assistant so i can define both and i can explain why the elements of a paralegal and what they can do and what they can bring to your practice which is why it's near and dear to my heart <laughs>
1: That's interesting. And I, I really appreciate that because I, too, sort of started the same path. Of course, I haven't been at it, nor am I as, as experienced as you, but it was very similar. You, you sort of start. I started as an intern and then you, you move up the ranks. Um, but there's something special about the paralegal position, because, again, like you said, you, you connect not just with the clients, but also with the attorneys on a more sort of interesting level um, than just doing administrative tasks. So I appreciate that you brought that up. Um so kind of moving on, we, we want to talk about the program. Currently, Florida has the second highest number of paralegals in the country um, with 30,000 and counting. Um, but only 4,481 of those are Florida registered paralegals. So in order to get the word out, we want to start with the basics. What is required to receive the FRP designation?
2: The benefits of becoming a Florida registered paralegal and the reasons behind it is because of the education component. To become a Florida Registered Paralegal, there's three different paths you can take. The first path is by education and work experience. The education experience that, say, if you have a bachelor's degree, you have less of the amount of work experience that you need. If you take the second path, with using an associate's degree, you have to have a longer work experience. So you have to be in the industry longer when you have an associate's degree. The third way to apply and to become a, a Florida Registered Paralegal Is through the certifications that the national organizations offer. These are exams, they're intense exams, they have a written component, and they have um, a a question and answer component that spans several hours for these exam, people taking these exams. So that allows you to be to apply to the Florida Bar. To, uh, to fill out the application, you have to have attestations from attorneys. It takes a, It's a process that is not just filling out an application and you hit enter and you become one. You have to be reviewed by a board as well. So it, the designation is not, when it's applied to someone's name, it's not something that should be taken lightly because they have gone through a, a lot of steps to get there. And they, they value the education of the ongoing education requirements.
0: And I know that it used to be that they could be grandfathered in. Has that gone away?
2: Yes, it did. There was only a component, I think, it had stopped in March 2011. So what happened is they did allow people that had been in the industry for a long time to be able to prove that they had worked in the industry. Therefore, they could be grandfathered in without the education component. And again, that went away in March 2011. Now there's an education component, whether it be you have a your bachelor's, your associate's, or you've taken the exams to have that kind of certification as a certified paralegal.
0: And some listeners um, may not be aware that the Florida Registered Paralegal Program has its own chapter in the rules regulating the Florida Bar. I think you may have mentioned this earlier, but chapter 20 also says, this chapter is not intended to set forth the duties that a paralegal may perform because those restrictions are set forth in the rules of professional conduct and various opinions of the professional ethics committee. So can you tell our listeners, what exactly is a paralegal permitted to do under the supervision of a Florida licensed attorney? Because we really feel that it used to be anyone could call themselves a paralegal, and attorneys didn't really know how to utilize them. So, what what can a, a real paralegal do for an attorney?
2: Yeah, I get that question every day because the first thing is, what does a paralegal do, and how do they differ from a legal assistant? So, I always my first words that comes out of my mouth is drafting. So that is the main. That, that's the bar there, is that when you talk about what clerical duties are and what a legal assistant does, they talk about that that is just more of trans, uh, correspondence, that they can draft correspondence, they can send out letters, they can do some reports, but when you're actually talking about a paralegal, you're actually talking about somebody that can draft. I've always said that if you have a paralegal and you have a good paralegal, your first draft comes from your, your paralegal, because that's how good she should be. Um, one of the things that we look at all the time is, does the paralegal know the rules and requirements, the restrictions of the statutes? Can they talk to you in depth about the statutes? Um, I, writing samples, a good paralegal that can write would always provide a writing sample. So I think that's where attorneys miss it. Like I always say, well, what are you looking for? Are you looking for someone to answer your phone? Are you looking for someone to actually interact with your clients, you know, set meetings? That's a legal assistant. But if you're looking for somebody to hold your hand through trial preparation or actually put together discovery responses or you're looking for somebody to draft agreements or in my case with the IPO, there was a lot of regulatory requirements that you had to fill, you know, in-depth documents you had to provide. It would be on the same path. That's where you get into a paralegal. Once you hit that drafting mark, whether it be pleadings, it would be, you know, reports, it's going to be, you know, even applications and say in family law, where a lot of it form based, those still require an element of having a legal knowledge behind them, and that's where you get to the paralegal.
0: And it's so it's so important to value your paralegal. My husband, when he was at a big firm um, as an associate, uh, he said law school doesn't teach you how to practice law, and I said, "Well, what do you do?" He said, uh, "When you get to your firm, you go find the paralegals." Yeah. So.
2: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because we get that every day. And it, it's because my because in working from a large firm and working with, you know, a group of, uh, of attorneys to now working with solo practitioners, you know, we're the, really the only connection that they have. And it kind of, it, but it's the same way from big firm to small firm. They're going to turn to you. And, and the beautiful part of it is the first time that they say, well, what do you think? What is your opinion? You know, you have arrived as a paralegal because now you've made that connection. Now they know that you're in step with them. And like she said, like, like Carlos said, you're getting that connection and talking to the attorney about the legal aspects of it or what you see or the changes that are happening are the exciting parts of the job that keep it from being boring.
1: So now that we've talked about what paralegals are permitted to do, what are they not permitted to do? And I want the attorneys to really pay attention to this because some of them rely far too heavily on their paralegals. Yeah, they should not so be taking can... your
0: CLEs for you. Yes, Let's put that, that is true.
2: We're, we're hearing those codes amongst the group. That's got to stop. They need to be, everybody needs to be in that class together. Uh, one of the things that they should not do a lot of times is that they'll they'll be. Dark, where you are trying to get a hold of the attorney, and there's an issue with the client, and and, and knowing that the issue is there that needs attorneys an attorney's attention is is just as important. I think as that as we get to the unlicensed practice of law. That's where a good paralegal knows where that line is at. But when you're trying to get it to an attorney and they don't they don't communicate back with you, that's the part that it becomes. You're now putting them in a position where that client is is going to want them to say something that they clearly should not be saying. And that that and that point where you need to, that's where an attorney's not supervising, that's where it occurs. It's when they're not really, they'll just say, they just go ahead and answer it or deal with it when you know that they need to be handling that matter. They wouldn't be coming to you if they didn't think it
0: was something that you Because they're in a position that they're having to give legal advice and right. that that's a huge no-no. I mean, a lot of times a paralegal is the face of the firm for that client. If if you have a busy practice, there's a lot of like just day-to-day, um, you know, they've got to come in and sign something. They've got to drop off documents that you're going to go over the doc your financial documents with them or something. Um, but they, if they start to rely... On the paralegal for that, it, I absolutely have seen that before, that the paralegal knows that maybe the attorney is not going to get back to them and it's just easier to answer the question, but there's that very, very, it's gray, but it shouldn't be the line of giving legal advice. So. Oh, no, I
2: agree. And you can usually tell with the buzzwords that the client is giving you. If there's, they turn to you and they say, well, what do you think? Okay. If they're asking you, what do you think? That's not for you to answer. You need to say, you know, let me get the attorney to call you back and give you you know, some direction on that. There's just things of how should I do this or can you mm-hmm. tell me how to do this? Those are things that you definitely know need to be elevated up to an attorney to handle because of the fact that they're asking you to give them advice or they're asking you to analyze a situation for them. And a good paralegal, and that comes through the continuing legal education It it, it tells you, you know, it tells you the horror stories are out there where people actually have overstepped those bounds. A good paralegal is going to know when they're calling you, it's important for you to answer the phone.
1: And, and again, just to get into the weeds a little bit, because we get this question a lot because attorneys, again, are unsure how to right, utilize paralegals. Um, so is an attorney permitted to bill a client for a paralegal's time um, when they're working on their case and what, what tasks exactly are billable?
2: Okay. Yes, they can. The interesting part of it is they can actually be a cost center. Of course, as Christine will tell you, that that all has to be set out in that engagement letter. So you definitely want to make sure that the client is well aware of that. And that, you know, one of the things you have to announce is that you're a paralegal at the beginning to let them know that that is a part of the relationship they're going to have with the client. Yes, they can bill. And one of the things that most of our, like when you're communicating that are those conferences or those telephone conferences, explaining things to the client on the phone, or just the same as whether an attorney does it, you're also billing for that. You know, where you're actually typing correspondence or you're drafting their documents or forms, you're still billing for all of that. Well, I get that a lot of how do you actually actively bill somebody because you want to monetize them. You know, you don't want to take on a paralegal that's not going to actually be worth your while on the firm-wide basis, you know, but it definitely, one of the things is to allow them to bill and teaching a paralegal how to bill or how your firm bills actually will make it a little bit easier. And one of the things that I always recommend is show us your time narratives, show us what you're doing. And those are the same things. As long as we also put in there at the end, our work now goes back to the attorney for review. You know, those are the things that you see is that, you know, forward to attorney for review and things like that, so that they know what is going on and that you're not just sending it directly to them. We always put those little things in there to make sure that that supervision is being happened.
0: And I but I want to like dig in a little deeper here, because like if a paralegal is I mean, they're doing all kinds of tasks all day long. We know they're all over the place. But if they're doing something that doesn't require the skill level of a paralegal, is that billable? I mean, if it's something that could have been passed on to the secretary or the.
2: I agree with you. No, it should not. And that is the interesting part of it is being able to utilize that, that you're asking somebody to, you know, uh, answer the phone or you're asking somebody to, you know, Set, you know, set a lunch appointment or things like that. Those just are not billable tasks. And I get that a lot when I ask an attorney when they call, what are you looking for? Are you looking, you know, what is your needs for your firm? And when they say to me that they need someone to answer my phone, they need someone to set appointments with my clients, they need someone to, you know, you know, file some things with the court or, you know, minimal, I, I want to say clerical because I know I hate the word clerical because clerical right. makes everybody go, well, what is clerical? So those are the clerical tasks, you know, filing, you know, creating files in your systems or send- typing
0: dictation like that yes. doesn't,
2: you know, back in the, and again, I, I remember those foot pedals and I rather, they were, they, were, <laughs> they were not, they were not my friend. I was not a great, great fan of the foot pedal, but it definitely, it, those are the kinds of tasks that they cannot bill for. Now, then you get into the point where if you need a paralegal and your practice dictates to the fact that you now have someone that you need to do you know, do the first draft or put the documents together. If you want to build a practice, and I, I truly believe this in today's economy, you can't do it without a paralegal because you can't market efficiently your, your practice without having someone behind it doing the work. I mean, even if it's the first draft or whatever, you, you just can't. You can't. You've got to be out there in the time that you spend marketing or the time that you spend doing, you know, a simple agreement, which is going to be the best time, that you, the best way to spend your time. And that's why we always suggest that that paralegal is going to be there. And again, if you need a hybrid, you know, and that's what your practice wants, you have to understand that she's not going to be able to bill all of her time. But I think that you need right. to, if you want to be, have a cost efficient, well-run firm that pays for itself, you need to really work to make sure the paralegal bills properly.
1: And and I would also caution attorneys um, billing paralegal time as their own, or vice versa, because I know that happens a lot. A paralegal's time working on legal documents, drafting legal documents, and so on and so forth is a paralegal's time. If you didn't actually do that work, you probably do not want to bill that. Again, it's no, it's I'm not an expert on unethical. that, but I do think there's an
2: ethic violation <laughs> on that one there about, you know, because now you can't, you're not supposed to bill for work that you do not do, you know, and also, exactly. you know, even when they go in a flat fee situation, they don't realize that even when you go for the judge, the judge is going to say, well, I need to see the hours behind it. They don't even realize that there is always right. an hours component, you know, and I, and I try to explain why well, that's great, but you now have to explain your hours to the judge because you're not going to get your fees. Um, I think that that's one of the things that, that I think as the program, as as I see the Florida bar now, I'm, they're, they're embracing the Florida registered parallel. I don't want to say now, but they really are, you know, and dealing with, you know, the committees that have been formed and actually realizing the stint that's going on, or the, the situation where they have the advanced paralegal, where the president-elect and the current president, they were all very much involved on bringing paralegals into the fold because that was the wave of being able to provide services to those that could not afford it. And I think that that tells you a lot about what how a paralegal can impact.
0: Absolutely, you, you've that's the perfect segue into my next question for you. So, having skilled paralegals can be a real access to justice issue because it can bring down the cost of hiring a lawyer. While uh, because a paralegal's time is going to be billed for less than an attorney, I want to make that point too. But it actually can also so you're doing a good thing, helping people that maybe couldn't afford, you know, if it was all your time. But you can also it can become a profitable thing because an attorney can take on more cases if right. they have a very skilled paralegal taking care of the things that that paralegal is trained to do and permitted to do why else should an attorney consider hiring or seeking out an individual with this designation and we talked about it a little bit but do you believe that most attorneys are fully utilizing paralegal skills
2: i think the interesting part of it is, is that what i see in when i start out a relationship with with an attorney it basically starts on a very simple level. And they it's just like they're, they're just handing you things and you're going, okay. It's like you're standing there waiting and you just want to reach over and take the pile. But, you know, they're <laughs> handing it to you very slowly. I think one of the things that would help an attorney to understand that when they have something, they need to try and say, hey, can you do this? You know, or here, try this or give it to them. I think you need to push the paralegal in order to take it to you know how far your paralegal can go. Like in my case, and talking about my career, no one ever told me no. So I could just go out and learn anything I wanted. You know, so somebody says, what, you know, now I have a couple of clients, they laugh. They go, isn't there any area that you haven't worked in? And I go, no, not really. I pretty much have covered it all. I think the only thing I can't do is aviation law. And that was one <laughs> gentleman at the Florida Bar asked me that. And I go, how many of you are out there? You know, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, that's a stumper. Though I would like to learn it maybe now, but I thought, wow, that I, I, I've never done. But I think that you need, to, if you want to embrace a paralegal, you need to, when they walk in, of course, this is after you've vetted their qualifications, that you feel comfortable with the person that you brought in. And again, I strongly recommend that because as Christine mentioned, anybody can really call themselves a paralegal. You need to do your homework. You need to ask for the writing samples. You need to ask them in depth questions about the statutes that you want them to work in. If they can't answer that, then they're not for you because they're not somebody that, if a a paralegal loves the area she's working in, she knows the area she's working in. Because one of the things about the CLE, we are are able to go in and take a CLE, the same CLE that an attorney takes. And the CLEs that we offer on, through the FRP Enrichment Committee, they are also attorneys can attend them. So we're not offering something that you can't, an attorney couldn't learn. You know, so it definitely, you, you need to ask those questions. You need to know. And then when you bring them in, you now need to give them the work. I had one guy one time tell me, I had an assistant as an administrator one time, an assistant And I kept saying, well, yeah, I need a trainer and all like that. And the attorney looked at me, He was the firm, you know, he was running the firm. He turns to me and goes, Margo, if that person is not trained, that's not her fault. That's yours. So if that person, if you're not utilizing the paralegal as much as you should, that's your fault, not theirs. You just need to keep, you need to keep going and handing them things because a good paralegal is going to take it. She may not know how to do it. But pretty much within, by the time she hands it back to you, she's going to learn every aspect about that and hand you back a product you can use. Because that's what, that's just what a paralegal does. I really believe that.
1: And you're in a unique position being not only that you've been a paralegal, um, but you also have uh, the company law office support services again, um, which we mentioned earlier is a member benefit. Um, so you can kind of see the hiring side um, when when you hire out paralegals and whatnot. but so, so this is like a twofold question. one, do FRPs command a higher salary than paralegals without the designation? And again, you're in a unique position to know whether or not that's the case. And then two, does your company, Law Office Support Services, employ FRPs or do you encourage the paralegals that work for you to apply for the FRP designation?
2: Oh, both. Um, I have a a system in place where to maintain the quality that I want for the the documents that we, we give to the attorneys that we work for, we have a twofold process, and that is somebody prepares the documents, but somebody else goes behind and reads it. But we do that at no cost to the attorney. So in order for me to do that and for me to offer that, I have to have those that are at the higher end of their game, that they actually, you know, that probably has to come to me where it's almost picture perfect because I need to look at it and move it on because we're all doing it for each other. So that way we do encourage FRPs. If I, you know, FRPs, they, I believe they have, they have two things. They know when they have reached the part where they should not be talking anymore, that they now need to get the attorney involved. I have a lot of people that, especially as an administrator, where I kept saying, you know, please don't say that to the client. Or please, you need to, you need to understand that you've now reached, you, know, you have to explain that. You have to explain that then they're really not to the level that they need to be but a paralegal will know that and also in an FRP usually they the ongoing and education that they take in they will do more than what is required because they are learning their I want to say their craft is the only way to put it you're learning as much as you can I mean there's a lot of times where I would take the paralegal over the attorney in the practice your beginning day because <laughs> she knows what she's you know she's really she spent a lot of time doing it so I really I think that that's something that when you're when you go to hire one, you need to consider that. I mean, a lot of times I get those questions about, well, I want to hire somebody and I want to pay them, you know, eighteen to twenty dollars an hour. And then you look at it, you go, but you're billing three fifty an hour. So where do you think that you're going to get for that? You know, where do you really think that's going to help you? Now, granted, if you bring in a paralegal and you're billing three fifty an hour, you have a paralegal that. You're paying, you know, a, a, a very, a nice, you know, wage too, but you're still probably going to make twice as that on there. If you do it properly and you have a properly trained paralegal, she's going to bring those types of skills to the table that you have. You are going to give a product that is worth that kind of money, that dollar amount that you're going to bill for a paralegal.
1: Right, so so it's definitely worth doing like a cost benefit analysis. But it may be while a paralegal an FRP may command a higher salary than a non FRP paralegal, it may be more beneficial than hiring an associate. For example, mm-hmm. you know it's it's cheaper than an associate, more expensive than a non FRP paralegal. Um, but it, it's they're worth their money in gold. Oh, I agree.
2: And the interesting part of it is that when you say that about bringing on an associate. One of the things that we always get is that well, that would bring on an associate because they could go into court. So that was always a thing, you know, if I can get a paralegal or associate, I've got someone that can go into court. Well, that is good. You've got someone that can go into court, but you're also missing a lot of the other components that are probably when a paralegal, when she's working, you know, on the documents and you've got also the fact that she's connecting to the client. So it's not just the going into court. I think going into court is important, but I think communicating with the client is more important from, a, uh, from getting a complaint to the Florida bar. I don't know. I mean, from what I remember statistically, the, the biggest complaint is that my, my attorney is not contacting me. I can't get a hold of my attorney. My attorney won't communicate with me. Those are things that you can bring in and a paralegal will, will help to alleviate that issue. If you have an associate and what they do is they go into court, then you now, they don't talk or communicate to the client. They're going into court or they're working on their own matters or things, but they're not really focusing on your client. I also think there's the element of that when you're an attorney, and again, we'll talk about the stress and the issues with that, having someone that's dedicated to working for you and it's working in tandem with you or side by side with you actually will allow you the opportunity to take a vacation, okay? Because you've got someone that's not going to practice law, but that someone is going to be able to tell if anything's on fire.
0: Well, and the other thing is if you're not valuing your very a skilled paralegal, they might leave and go to law school. I know several paralegals that have done that. So talking about education for paralegals if you are a attorney Florida bar member, um, you have to do 33 continuing legal education credits per uh, reporting cycle. So I want to put a shameless plug for our website legalfuel.com we get this probably I don't know probably three or four times a month we will have a Florida registered paralegal chat us on our website and say are we allowed to take your classes too? yes, please do and yes they count. I think the difference is technology. Is that right, Carla?
1: No, they have technology okay, now. Okay. Um, so, uh, again, it's uh, like uh, Margot mentioned earlier, FRPs provide CLEs that attorneys can attend. Uh-huh. Same thing with us. Legalfield.com, we provide attorney CLEs. But, of course, paralegals can attend those, too, for the reasons Margot mentioned earlier. A lot of the work overlaps. They're learning the craft. They're learning that particular area of law. For us, it's administrative, so you won't find uh, area specific CLEs on our website. But again, when it comes to matters of technology or just general credit, you definitely want to check out legalfield.com. Yeah, no Registration all free.
2: Oh, I was gonna say from the technology standpoint, especially as now, when you're you know, now when you're looking at what you offer from technology and, and the ability to look at it. I think that there's not enough credits that they ask for in technology because right now you can't, everything you do hinges on what kind of technology is out there. So my favorite is when they sent everybody home, they sent everybody home with no printers, no monitors, <laughs> and I'll at computer. But my favorite thing is, is, did they give you an envelope so you can mail something out? Or do you, you know, they just, there was that huge disconnect. So Reddit was great for the first couple of weeks, but when you're trying to, technology has to step in. And see, I really believe that when you talk about the technology and the things that on your website, somebody says, well, how does it work? And I think that, you know, when I went for the member benefit status, one of the things they asked me is, you know, why now? And why now is because, well, first, Christine Bilberry says that you don't have to have the paralegal or legal assistance sitting outside. And I agree with that. I mean, I truly do. And also for the fact that technology is where it is. You know, and that's why I think that you have a disconnect where attorneys do not learn the technology that they need in order to run their practices. They purchase it, but they don't learn it. The paralegal is who learns it. She's that connection between the hundreds of dollars you're spending in technology in your office and actually making it a product that is getting all the bells and whistles that it should offer to you.
0: So true. So just briefly, tell us what are the requirements for continuing education? They are the, the
2: same as, as an attorney's. We have to have the 33, uh, oh, wow. 33 credit hours in a cycle. Okay. We have to have the five in ethics or professionalism, and we have to have the three technology. So, I mean, we are Excellent. still how the exact same standard, which is you know considering this is a voluntary program and yeah you, as again our our job on the enrichment committee is to explain that this is really a great benefit and it is because you get to get to the point of not only FRPs being able to connect with one another because you know a lot of things with the courts changing and the situations changing a lot of that knowledge comes from just doing and so by having a, you're an FRP in your office she's got a a bank of of people she can reach out to in order to be able to find out, you know, what's going on or situations faster and quicker. Cause remember it, you know, you can't spend hours researching this because time is money. And so the faster you can learn it and the connections that she has clearly, it, it makes a difference because they're going to have the resources, whether it's through legal fuel or it's through the FRP committee members they are, they're going to be able to find an answer much faster because of the fact that they've been exposed to it.
1: So the the Florida Bar has two committees focused on paralegals. Uh, One is the Florida Registered Paralegal Eligibility and Compliance Committee, which is charged with assisting in the implementation of the FRP program. Um, And then there's the Florida Registered Paralegal Enrichment Committee, of which you're currently chair. What are the objectives of the Enrichment Committee?
2: Ours is we have like this core objectives. And what it says is that we are to build camaraderie socially between the floor registered paralegals we're encouraging people to become floor registered paralegals and the only way we can do that is by actually going out and and, and bringing the program to the to the masses i can say is that it's actually taking people that would have been paralegals that are on the fence as to why do i need to be an frp that's our job to show you why so the committee is fairly new it's just a couple of years old but in the first year I mean, I've never seen a committee move the way that it did. I mean, again, we, uh, Frank, again, Frank Deshawn Greer, he's our liaison with the Florida Bar. We were able to do what we could because Frank was there. I mean, it was definitely, we put in communication channels. There's now the FRP corner where you can connect with legal fuel is up there because now there's the job bank in there. You know, and then now they're also there for CLEs. You know, the fact that you all offer free CLEs, it's all up on the FRP corner. We also have an FRP Times, which is a quarterly newsletter. We're on social media. So we're trying to bring paralegals in to let them know and to experience. We also have surveys that we go out there to find out what our FRPs are receiving and what they're getting from their firms in order to see if that really does make a difference with the FRP status. Mm. And I believe even now with COVID that it really did. Because we did a survey on COVID, and we asked, one of the uh, questions were, do you, um, are you still employed? And the number that were still employed after three months were, it's 92%. percent were are still employed. Wow. And now we have, a, we have a follow-up to that first survey that went out. And I'm, I'm, encur- I'm going to be encouraged, I know, by the number, because the number was already higher to begin with. I think one of the things that in this case, being an FRP, I think did make a difference. I really did, because you needed someone that when you were cutting back staff, you had someone that could do a lot of different, handle a lot of aspects of your law firm. Then not just one particular job or not just one answering the phone or that they could do it all. And again, how you bill it determines it, but now you've got somebody that is a package.
0: Well, and if they're the only ones that know how to run your technology, you're really valuable. But that that FRP, (laughs) it sets you apart from the pack. I I think it's wonderful. And Frank, it's funny the people that work with your committees when they when it comes up because they have other things going on, um, they light up. That so your group must be a delight to work with, and your committee and my committee. I'm the staff liaison like Frank does for your committee. I'm the staff liaison for the Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers. So we are the stress and the you know we're trying to make it more positive, and we've been getting a lot of resources, but we. Your committee and my committee share a Florida Board of Governors liaison you know, um, and it's Wayne LaRue Smith. And he's been our BOG for uh, our BOG liaison for a while. But so he at one of our meetings piped up and started talking about, I didn't know that we shared this. And so I become more aware of his work on behalf of FRPs. So what are the benefits? You've mentioned some of them already, but when they become a Florida registered paralegal, what's in the works going forward? What, what is, I know that there are some things that Wayne and you and uh, Frank are working on.
2: Right. Well, if you become an FRP, you have, when you go to the member benefits, you are able to use all the member benefits that are up there, that they actually, you know, the, the discounts that are received, you get to use, you know, the special programs that, you know, they have through, like, if you need health insurance, you've got insurance, the member benefit providers, there's things that you can actually utilize that I don't think most FRPs really realize until they start coming to our meetings or they start, you know, embracing the needs. But also, one of the things is that because of your committee and the fact of what they're doing to help attorneys through this COVID, some of the things that we're anticipating as well, that'd be more of a mental health thing for parent legals to be able to tap into it in, in the next couple of months. Because again, you know, we're talking about mental health and, you know, the legal industry is stressful anyway. Now add this on top of it, you know, you now have another element why you, why I have attorneys that are trying to talk to me, trying to do the practice. And you can hear the kids talking in the background and going to school. I mean, it's a completely different environment than anybody ever anticipated. But that also helps that a lot of that goes down to the paralegal. There's a little bit more stress on that. But we're looking for more of a mental health kind of aspect, which, you know, Wayne and your committee are looking to help us with as we go forward, because we do think that that's also going to, I think it's across the board going to help not only the paralegal, but will help the attorney as well, as we have that ability to, you know, we take to happen to those resources especially from a mental health standpoint everybody needs an opportunity to talk to somebody or to get those services you know just to make sure that you may not need them to the level where it's extreme but it also helps to keep you at a level that you don't have to just always be on a stressful level where it doesn't always have to be that way you can be proactive on that and that's what I think you all are going to be helping us within the mental health part of it that you'll be able to um you know, those are benefits that we're hoping to add as well. So in addition to that, we've just done, so to alleviate, so we've also put on a the free FRP every month. So right now there's a free FRP CLE that is available through member benefits, but also through the enrichment committee. And what it does is it allows anybody to register Right now we're going to have one today that we have, I believe, 1,400 people signed up to take this one today. So they really are becoming quite, and Frank is the narrator, is, is our, is our director of that. And he, you know, he facilitates the entire thing. So Frank's become a star, you know, everybody knows who Frank is. So when you're talking about Frank's on there, he's, I think he's going to have to get an agent pretty soon. (laughs) But we see that coming. We also see that by having the social media out there where we can, we can show and explain to them. We have a lot of, just in the past week, we've been talking about the job, the job, bank there for legal fuel you know and how do we get to it and all like that because now you're seeing where people time has gone on for so long that now you know people they no longer have the jobs. so those are ones that they're going into and they're looking at you know that's a service that you all provide that allows us to be able to move our paralegals over to find positions that are there you know that they can actually and they're all there on on the frp corner so we allow postings you know on social media i think it's twitter and it's facebook and i think I always say LinkedIn, but I know that it is. I think Instagram is where we're at. So, and they have all those. So they're available to say anything you all want to provide us so that we can disseminate it out to the public and to the FRPs and let them know that there's these resources out there. But I really do think that the big one coming down right now is the one that you all and your committee is going to be putting together mental health. We've had that topic come up in a couple of meetings and everybody is eager to see that come through. Yeah, the
0: helpline. Yeah, I think that's going yeah. through the process. So
2: That helpline is just that seems to be a real focus on everyone. We get a lot of questions about that one. I know you and Wayne have been wonderful in, in addressing that. So we're hopeful that that's going to be something that's going to come down the pipe soon, that it's something that we can put out there because I know that's going gonna, gonna to alleviate some of the concerns that we were, that I was hearing in the meetings the last two
1: meetings has been like that and I just want our listeners to know um, that we will be linking to the FRP corner the Florida bar member benefits so whether you're an attorney or, an, or a paralegal listening to this um we'll we'll add links to you know a lot of the important topics we've discussed because again, whether you're an attorney or a paralegal, we encourage you um, to learn about the program. You know, we talked about all the value added, but we also want to make sure that you have quick access to the resources. So don't just play this podcast episode and not look at the description. Look at the description, click the links and check it all out. Oh, and also a
0: lot of people don't realize on the main org website, there's the little button that says find an attorney. You can also find a Florida registered paralegal there. You can search mm-hmm, by a name and geographic area. And um, so... Uh, see who's working. We'll
1: link to that too. Yes. Yeah. Let's <laughs> I have
2: that to say, it's interesting that because this year when the committee changed over and, you know, and bringing the connection between attorneys and paralegals, um, we now have three attorneys sitting on the FRP enrichment committee. And I thought that I kept saying, you know, why would they want to be in Frank? they wanted they actually, they are connecting with paralegals and understanding that I think paralegals, and especially FRPs because of the high standards that the Florida Bar requires to become an FRP. I think that's the, I believe that's the the program that most states should look to when they're actually trying to determine what to do in, in the world of a paralegal or a paraprofessional. I think the Florida Bar is right at there where there's more as we see it unfold, especially with the president-elects coming in and also in, their, in the advanced paralegal certifications. But it definitely I think that you're starting to see that connection. And it's nice that I have the opportunity to explain to or I share with attorneys what paralegals can do. And I I think that they need to know they can do more than what you're giving them and that you need to just give it to them and let them figure it out rather than trying to do that like attorneys do, try to micromanage and try to explain it to you sentence by sentence, you know. And I think that at that stage of the game, I think that sometimes you just need to have your paralegal and give it to her and then work with her collaboratively to come up with something that's going to benefit the firm as a whole and the training process
0: for a paralegal. Absolutely. A skilled paralegal is your greatest firm asset. I've I believed that from the beginning. And it's just with the FRP, uh, now Now it's easier to locate these individuals. It's Thank you so much. It looks like we've reached the end of our program. And thank you again, Margot Valenti, for joining us today.
2: Oh, thank you so much. You know, as you can tell, this is a subject that I, you know, especially being able to work on the FRP committee as the chairperson, and then to actually have it in my day-to-day, you know, career field, it definitely is something that I'm very passionate about. But I also think that it's something that, as I we connect to attorneys and they get to understand it, I think that they're going to understand that this is just another layer to offering legal services to the client or even to the community as a whole. And I think that that we're going to see. I think major changes as the years go on in the next couple of years.
0: Absolutely. If our listeners have questions about the Florida registered paralegal program or your company, where can they find more information?
2: Well, you know, we could direct them to Frank, you know, because (laughs) I I think if you want to learn anything about um, FRPs and how to become one or any questions, I think, again, Frank is going to be the go-to for that. He's quite great at being able to answer questions apparently he gets a lot, he's got a lot of PR because of these uh, CLAs he's been doing. So he definitely is also the poster child for the FRP program right now. And he definitely can answer any of the questions that they have, because it definitely can give you an opportunity to learn not just what the FRP enrichment Committee do, but he'll also connect you to the person that you need to, to talk with in order to become one and explain the procedure to you. Um, this way you can go ahead and even to the Florida Bar and just even you go into, it. there's a lot of details on how to become one of the requirements. All of them are right there. And I think the Florida Bar website is you're probably your best at, in learning how to become an FRP. And then for me and my company, you know, I always, people call and ask me questions every day. So, I mean, someone goes, well, you know, I don't want to waste your time. It's never a waste of my time to talk about what a Florida Register currently can do. I think that, you know, I like to think that I'm, I'm not as good as Frank, but I like to think that I'm out there, you know, expressing why it's important and why, you know, what the level that you need to be to be a Florida registered paralegal and the quality of, of people that you're going to get through the program, I think is, is not as unparalleled. I think that they really do, they, they, they really, the program and the way that it's set up and the education component, and of course the ongoing legal education component really does make a difference in what you're going to get. So I don't mind answering questions. So if they have the question about whether what's the difference between a legal assistant or what's a paralegal, oh, I can answer that all
0: (laughs) (laughs) Margot, how can they find your company on the internet?
2: Our um, website is www.lawsprt.com. So it's lawsprt.com, And they can connect, that's how they can find out with the company. And they can also connect to find a little bit about, about my background. But there's also the phone numbers on there to contact us, and you can also email us. Uh, if you'd like to email me or just even ask questions about how a paralegal would work or fit into your firm, um, my, they have my email address, which is mvalenti at lawsprt.com, and send me an email. I will be more than happy to explain or even have a dialogue with you. And, and I even do that with people that are just wanting to know what to do with their practice. I spend a lot of my time talking to um, attorneys in order for them to be able to know where to go or what they can do or resources. And that doesn't even necessarily mean that they might become a client. You know, they'll become a client and because they ask you about being a hard sell. I'm not. You're going to become a client when you need my services. So that way, if you just want to ask me how to do it or what you're going to be looking for or what the future holds for your practice, I can I can certainly help them in any way that they need. But I also am going to tell them that eventually that has to have a, a Florida registered paralegal in it because it's going to make the difference in you being able to build a practice successfully and to have it where you have the ability to market and still get the
0: work out the door. Perfect. And you can also find Margot's company in on the Florida Bar Member Benefits page under Practice uh, Resources. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by Legal Fuel, the practice resource center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbrey.
1: And I'm Carla Eckhart. Until next time, thank you for listening.
0: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bar's podcast via iTunes, google podcast spotify and rss find the florida bars practice resource center legal fuel on twitter facebook and instagram the views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by the florida bar none of the content should be considered legal advice as always consult a lawyer